Hello, everyone. Welcome to the PvP Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy, and today I am joined by Yangsen Lavasquez. Yangsen is the marketing and social media manager for Ambox, NYXL, and the Subliners, respectively. And today she is here to give us some of her insights on what it takes to work in marketing and social within esports. How are you doing today, Yangsen? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I appreciate it so much working with three brands. I can't believe I was able to borrow 30 minutes <laughs> of your time, but I'm glad that we finally got able to do this. And you've been so, so great through this whole process. Um, just to kind of get everybody introduced on who you are and where you come from, if you can just kind of give us a little five, 10 minute background on who you are, even before esports, and we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, raised in Florida, uh, you know, from a New York family, I've been in New York for eight years now. Uh, I went to NYU for college and I studied marketing. Uh, so very up my alley in what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. Uh, my career path has been, uh, a little atypical from normally what you'd find in esports. So I started in nonprofits and public benefits corp, uh, uh, at donors choose and Kickstarter. Uh, so a lot of my work has directly been focused in marketing, but in different industries. So, Yeah. I've, I've seen a lot. <laughs> and so like we talked about this yesterday a little bit and it kind of sparked my interest. So was the, was the attraction to esports more of just something that kind of popped up? Were you always like an avid gamer? What, what made you want to transition? Cause that is, even though they're both marketing, that's two completely different lanes. So like, what was the thing that drew you to esports initially? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've always been a gamer. Uh, mm -hmm. I grew up on Nintendo. I grew up with the PlayStation. Um, and it's always something I've enjoyed um, mm -hmm. as like my hobby. Um, and I, I always told myself that I wanted to work in games because I think it's an exciting industry. It's something I'm passionate and I care about. So to me, it was just like a natural progression to be like, why wouldn't you want to work in an industry where you care about what you're doing? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, it was always an end goal. Uh, for me in my career to get there at some point. I didn't think it would happen this early in my career, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, which I feel very fortunate for. Mm -hmm. um, but I, yeah, I wanted to integrate uh, what I care about with what I do professionally. Um, and I found that opportunity at Ambox. So. Awesome. And so one thing I think a lot of people will struggle with and might think about as they're thinking about going into esports as a whole is, was how has it been like working it? Because you say that and everybody says that, like, I want to work in something I'm passionate about, but it does become work. Like, I don't care how much you love it. Like, has, has, have you become more of a gamer? Have you become less of a gamer? Like, it'd be totally understandable if you're like, sometimes that's unplugged from gaming as a whole. Like, how has working in the industry actually affected that love for games and love for everything else? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, I wouldn't say dramatically, but it's definitely changed the way I think about gaming. Whereas mm -hmm. before I would, I would go to my PS4 as like an escape from my work where I don't have to mm -hmm. think about, you know, like marketing plans or campaigning for something completely mm -hmm. different. Um, I almost think about it like how you would with school and work. Like to me, those were two separate silos. And I'm like, this is one and this is the other. Whereas mm -hmm. now it's definitely a Venn diagram, but like most of it is in the center <laughs> um, where uh, sometimes my, you're right that my escape is like, as a social media manager, I need to not look at Twitter for a day, not look at Instagram for a day mm -hmm. uh, to really reset myself. Um, but it's also changed it in the fact that um, before uh, coming into this role, mm -hmm. I never played Call of Duty. Like I knew of it, like anything that happened, in the mm -hmm. new, like a new title's coming out. Yeah, sure. But like, I'd never played it before. So now that I'm working for the team, for me, it was important to understand 
what I'm talking about, understand the community, like watch all the, you know, the big games, like mm-hmm. Black Ops 3, like all the matchups mm-hmm. um, and really get to know what I'm talking about. So before this job, I, I had uh, played Overwatch since the beta. So mm-hmm. that was something that had interest me through uh coming to Ambox and mm-hmm. surprisingly enough I've played less Overwatch than I had prior to actually starting here and way more Call of Duty mm-hmm. so that's been interesting yeah that's gotta be like especially with the roster you have like Clay and a color guys like the amount of catch-up you have to play is actually insane I mean no one would blame you if you couldn't like recall everything like not I've only been in the Call of Duty scene since like Advanced Warfare so not even that far mm-hmm. back but yeah, the amount of of catch up with history and like the pace and like why do fans like especially from a marketing perspective like why do consumers feel the way they feel about the new games like you see it on Twitter like it's not like the old games but like for you it's like well what were the old games like you know what I mean like it's it's really that had as a marketer that had to be a little bit of a challenge for you oh yeah when people were really excited that Treyarch was back I was like okay Treyarch did which titles again yeah like, exactly. like you're figuring that out and like understanding mm-hmm. why people had a such a passion for like Black Ops or why they trust Treyarch with COD mm-hmm. so it was it was a lot of learning along the way mm-hmm. um, but to me it makes it even more exciting to do my mm-hmm. job because then I get to either learn through the community through our players themselves or just like watching the rivalries and the storylines and the matchups come up through the season. So Mm -hmm. lots of games. Yeah, exactly. And I think that kind of is a good segue into like the game started segment because you've been in the seat for a little bit now, but like as you were getting started, especially in a marketing social role, what were some of the things that you did to kind of set yourself up for success? And like, what advice would you give people that maybe they're just starting out? Maybe they got their degree. They're starting to apply for jobs. Um, What are some things you wish you would have known that first time you sent that resume into Ambox or wherever to try to start this journey? Um, just really understanding what you as a marketer, uh, like what's your niche and also what skills do you have to bring to the table? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very important, especially as you're going into like your first job or even looking for internships. I think those are valuable experiences to understand where you'll go in your career. For me, um, I'm an email marketer by trade email and paid media, paid digital media. Mm -hmm. Uh, So um, I only discovered that those are my strong points uh, by having these different experiences and like accruing different skill sets. So that when I put together my resume to be like, hey, I want to work at your esports org, um, you know, my resume stood out above the others because I had this like diverse pool of marketing skills that I could bring to the table. So like um, prior to this role, I didn't have, okay, I had a little bit, but like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like I was never in a social media manager role prior of to course. this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really important that, you know, if you're trying to become a social person and you don't have social experience, mm-hmm. uh, that you can show that like, Hey, I might not have done this, but I have these few experiences. Like I've mm-hmm. written a short form and long form editorial for Kickstarter. So I'm okay. like, like, I can write an article <laughs> so I can write a tweet or mm-hmm. like I've crafted paid Facebook ads so mm-hmm. I can probably make a good organic one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to even figure that out uh, mm-hmm. and set yourself up for the skills that you need, just exploring you like maybe partnerships isn't what I want to do in life, but let me see what that has and what that can offer me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really important. 
because maybe, you know, partnerships or sales isn't for you, but there's something about like campaign strategy or like talking to external partners that you really mm-hmm. like. And maybe that can translate to events or operations or something like that mm-hmm. um, yep. or even marketing. Yeah. Yeah, marketing is a weird is a weird beast because I always tell people, even people aren't in the space, like my family, like, oh, you're marketing. Like, what do marketers do exactly? I'm like, that's a good question. Um, Everything under the sun. <laughs> yeah, because you can consume like in marketing in a marketing role, you can consume like terabytes of data and still know nothing. Like, it's you have to know what your niche is, where it's, like you said, where it's content marketing, social media marketing, email marketing is still really huge, paid media, like. I always tell people like if you don't know what marketing is, but you're you think you're interested in it, but you don't know what it is. Like this may sound really trivial, but just Google different types of marketing because you 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 don't realize how much you actually do like a little bit of marketing yourself as an individual in and of yourself every day, and just figure out like what like you said what you're good at, what you're bad at, um, which is why you need a marketing team because you have different marketers that are really good at different things. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. so much intersectionality within marketing. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to create videos, but you aren't uh, into like a production assistant role, for example. Mm-hmm. Like I work very closely with my content team to produce content. And like mm-hmm. I've PA'd even some of our shoots. So like there's so much intersectionality intersectionality in marketing mm-hmm. um, that, yeah, I think, yeah, a simple Google search. There's literally nothing wrong with that. And would you, do you have any like maybe personal experiences of a mistake? Like even if it's a really small one, like something that, you did early on that you're like, man, I wish I would have done that. Or like someone starting out that a common mistake in the getting started that people can avoid. Oh yeah. Asking questions. I, Mm -hmm. uh, like many other people in the gaming industry are hard headed. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I, I had this desire to try and figure things out on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I would not come to like a superior or somebody who would know better with questions or, ask for more time. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that that's okay. And actually, I think it's better if you do ask questions, because Mm -hmm. maybe you might not know what the solution is to a certain problem or how to go about tackling that. But just showing that that desire to do better and that interest to, to figure out what the solution is, Mm -hmm. um, I think speaks incredible volumes about how you will be as a professional. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wish I had known that because I could have grown a lot more in like my first six months of my first job if I had asked mm-hmm. more questions. Yeah, I agree. I see a lot of parallels that with like my military background because a lot of people in the military early on are young in age, like 18, 19 years old. And like even in more serious situations, even situations aren't serious, like they won't ask the question because they're afraid to because in military life, it's similar. Like you don't ask questions, you should know your job. But at the same time, it's like I wish you would have because it would have fixed so many problems and people don't realize like how much you actually, no one cares if you ask that question, like you and yourself would, as you grow into an adult, you know, what questions are just belating the point and what questions are good questions to ask. Like everybody knows that inside themselves. So like not being afraid to ask that question, it kind of coincides with not being afraid to fail. Like you have to not be afraid to address that. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. from my last job, there was uh, a term that we used, it was fail forward. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, yeah, that speaks to what you're talking about, that like, it is okay to get things wrong. Mm-hmm. It's more important that you've learned something um, and being able to just be able to fail forward, then you'll mm-hmm. get to the next step a lot faster. Yep. I was, I was interviewing for, for an internship. I won't say who with was, but the interviewee was saying, or you know, interviewer was saying that like, 
in his upcoming things and his upcoming like uh, performance valuations, like one of the points that they made was like, I want you to fail three times, like find a way to fail three times over the next year, like controlled failure, like failure where like you learn something like fail forward. Like employers are actually looking for that people that are not afraid to progress in that way. Um, but as you, as people kind of get into the, to the scene a little bit and they start to focus and really find their niche, maybe find their marketing niche that they like, maybe they've helped social with a couple influencers. What are some things right now in the industry you see trending that are focus points that people can help to improve and position themselves and themselves and become more applicable to orgs? Like what are orgs looking for companies, things of that nature? Yeah, I would say, you know, just, uh, flexibility, adaptability, Mm-hmm. I think uh, esports moves quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, esports moves quick, and we're like we need people to to always be on their toes. Somebody who thinks forward, who can try and get ahead of the curve, try and be reactive because esports happens in real time. Things happen mm-hmm. in real time that changes the landscape. So you have to have like your ear to the ground and just be really receptive. So I think that flexibility is really important, um, and also just yeah. Not afraid to to be you know tenacious and be like let's try this thing that doesn't mm-hmm. fit in the box or fit the mold. Um, mm-hmm. I think is something that orgs are definitely looking for in that regard. Um, and it's also a great challenge for yourself. You're like, how can I challenge myself to mm-hmm. uh, better? Uh, and one thing that I see a lot, and I actually refer internally, um, is people who promote their work in uh, work in progress projects. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're a graphic designer, like here's something I'm working on right now. Give me feedback. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And they're asking the community that they're trying to serve with their content. And I think that's mm-hmm. super important to show, you know, that you're receptive to feedback. You're willing to grow uh, as well as just putting your stuff out there. Huge. I have mm-hmm. referred so many people for freelance work because of what I've seen of their portfolios online. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's really important. And so moving forward uh, with an organization, if that's your aspiration, um, just really committing yourself to to trying to grow in, in that regard. And maybe you're not a creative uh, mm-hmm. in, in that way where you're not creating physical work. I think uh, to have commentary on on situations, to have your ear to the ground, to show that you're knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, is really important. Um, not necessary. Cause like I said, I had like, I, I was asked in my interview, it's like, what are you afraid of in this role? And I was like, not being able to speak to a, a call of duty community. Yeah, exactly. Um, because yeah. all I knew was an overwatch community and that was barely in competitive. So, um, yeah, I think if you want to give yourself the leg up, um, just, just showing that you're passionate, you're driven and you have the skill set behind yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you care. I think care drives you forward even further uh, mm-hmm. in your career. So, and as a, as a marketer, and not to put you on the spot, if you can't think of something specific, it's fine. I just always like to ask marketers this because as a marketer, it's very it's very easy to tell a designer what to do. Like in my opinion, it's easier to tell a designer what to do to showcase his work. It's easier to tell a creator what to do to showcase his or her work because those are tangible items. Marketing is not always it is tangible, but a lot of times it's not tangible when it comes to like displaying your work. Like if I ask any entry level marketer, like show me examples of your work, it's very hard. If they haven't created a deck, if they haven't closed a deal, if they haven't done this or that. It's hard to show that. So as for marketers specifically, if you can think of anything 
what are some things that marketers could be doing? Like maybe they've been to see a little bit to kind of help display their work and get ahead of other peers, maybe for a job or things of that nature. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right in that there is no technical, tangible thing mm-hmm. that you can yeah. present. So I think it's, it's a lot about your body of work, um, mm-hmm. what you've done in the past, maybe a project you contributed towards. Okay. Um, I think uh, what helps is being able to pull out insights from mm-hmm. what you did um, and being able to speak to your work. So it's mm-hmm. like, um, I'm trying to think of an example. I, for Kickstarter, did an interview. This is earlier in my career, very early. Um, Mm -hmm. um, Did an interview of Little Bub, the internet cat, Mm -hmm. with uh, dwarfism. (laughs) Okay. Um, So, like, I did the interview uh, with uh, Little Bub's human, uh, and then I had to write an article about it. So Mm -hmm. that, that being my body of work is one thing I can present, but I can also speak to, well, how I set up the interview process and how I Mm -hmm. corresponded with um with the person i was interviewing and how that development went or Mm -hmm. like how i created a strategy to make an email that reached this number of people Mm -hmm. i think being able to pull out insights and like next steps or something actionable or something you learned Mm -hmm. uh, can help uh present you know your your expertise or like what you've learned uh to, to show in a way like that is your, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the other half of marketing is having a pulse on whatever it is, like whatever industry you're in, because you need to know how to present things, how to describe things, how people need to be positioned. Like marketing is like 10% actual physical products. And the other 9% is like conceptual, more strategic levels type stuff, at least in my experience. Um, so I agree with you on that, that and it's hard when you're young or not young in the space, like here's my expertise. Like, but it's, you got to be comp and I've learned this the hard way. Dylan from the rocker is beat me up the side of the head for this is like, you have to be confident in what you have done, whether that's one piece or a hundred pieces, like don't, it's okay to be humble. You should always be humble, but don't be shamelessly humble. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't be to the point to where, cause if you're too humble, a lot of people, whether it's right or wrong, see that as incompetence and humility all, all often gets like dubbed as incompetence because then you seem like you're not confident in what you're doing. So that's one thing I'd add on to what you're saying is, you know, be confident in whatever little body of work you've done. For sure. And that's even something I struggle with sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like I don't necessarily purport that I am the social media manager because there Mm -hmm. are definitely downsides to doing so. Um, Like there are some questions I literally can't answer um, Mm -hmm. just because I'm the person in the hot seat. Uh, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean I'm the one who makes those decisions, right? Exactly. Um, Yeah. Okay. So as, as we kind of go into the state of the industry though, and, and what your thoughts are, this is for anybody that's maybe watching this and they're trying to learn more about esports, like you were at one point is like, what is the state of the industry to kind of give people like a quick snippet of like, what's going good in the industry? What do you think we need to improve on some things that are missing? Um, just to kind of give people that quick pulse, so to speak, and just your overall overall thoughts about the esports industry. Yeah. I think we are constantly seeing growth. Uh, esports has been esports in its current form has mm-hmm. only been around for for so long uh, mm-hmm. a couple years even like it's mm-hmm. transformed vastly in mm-hmm. this space and and you know the the more people are recognizing that that gaming and esports is an important part of, mm-hmm. of culture mm-hmm. um, and I think that is something that is great because that provides more opportunity like it's no longer a niche, but it's being thrusted into the mainstream, okay. which has 
its upsides and its downsides because mm-hmm. people, you know, think of like a PewDiePie or a Pokemon, which aren't necessarily bad representatives of the gaming community. But obviously, you and I know like gaming and esports run so much deeper. Yeah, exactly. Like Ninja has like he's not tending like esports anymore, but the fact like. In my opinion, he is a great face because he at least gets pe- he gets people in the door and then mm-hmm. then they can expound like if he's at a Twitch Rivals tournament, like yes, it's technically is that esports in a sense, not at its core form, but at the same time it gets it just gets us a wider audience. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think um I guess the bad side of that is that esports is still a budding industry. There are so many growing pains that come along with it as uh, organizations come into fruition and some may fizzle out. Like there's a lot of uncertainty in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, especially in the era of COVID, like there's there's a lot of flux, so nothing is guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say that might be a current difficulty that people are facing is that Mm -hmm. if they're trying to break into the industry, especially now, if they're graduating college now uh, and they're trying to seek out an opportunity out the gate, they might not find them. So my advice in in that is to to build up your skills and and wait, Uh, Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, there will always be the right opportunity later down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, But that patience, even if you don't get it now, like, um, just knowing that, and if you're persistent enough, that that mm. opportunity will come along later. Yeah, I always always reference the Gary V. I'm a huge Gary V. stand, but like the Gary V. thing of like, I'm 27. I'm technically like six years old in adult years. So like, when people always like, when I get out of the military, like, yes, do I want to work for an NYXL right when I get out the gate? Of course, like you'd be stupid not to. But at the same time, like, let's say you apply for 30 jobs and you don't get it. Go work in a marketing role in a technology firm or something along the lines for a year or two years and then come back to it. Like 30 years old is so young. Like he always preaches that. And I think people like because of our way our society works, people think like I'm 30. Like I need to I need to figure this out when like, no, you could work in esports when you're 34, 35, like especially with how the industry is going. It's not so much like a super, super young crowd from a business perspective anymore. Um, there's going to be countless opportunities that you can go after. I think people put the, put a timestamp on that type of thing too much. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, nothing. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. Um, one thing I wanted to go on state of the industry though, is, and this is a good comparison, maybe for a couple more seasoned marketers out there is the state of marketing in esports versus marketing anywhere else. And you are a perfect example of this because you came from marketing somewhere else. Like what is the differences in feel as far as like a job outlook perspective from an esports marketer, as opposed to any other type of marketer in different industries? For sure. Uh, I mentioned it a little earlier that when Mm -hmm. you're a marketer, you do everything under the sun. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Which uh, I'm fortunate to have had uh, gone and worked at places that had a structure to them. So mm-hmm. I could then discover what my niches were. Um, but that necessarily isn't the case for a lot of people. And because esports is a budding industry, uh, that means there is less structure as a marketer in esports mm-hmm. um, because it's all hands on deck at all times. Like, um, I. I'm technically the social media manager, but I would say that is probably in the minority of my responsibilities Mm -hmm. in my role where I also do our emails and I'm also, you know, coming up with marketing campaigns and I'm also building out uh, giveaways or helping with uh, a partnership thing or scheduling logistics. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's a lot more behind the scenes that you don't see. And uh, I think I wouldn't have as, I wouldn't have been as prepared for the role had I not had that structure prior. So mm-hmm. 
um, if you're one, uh, if you're the type of person to be able to function with no rails, mm-hmm. um, which some people can, some people like they'll, they'll grab it by the horns and just run with it. Um, but there are some other people who need a little more guidance, need a little more structure, mm-hmm. especially since, um, there are very few like established esports orgs, mm-hmm. I would say, um, like even at Anbox, we're a small team. We're 20 people of course, on yeah. our corporate side. People um, don't realize that, to be honest. I know a lot of people at a bunch of different orgs that are punching above their weight class because mm-hmm. there is there is so much to do and like only so many hands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, yeah, as a marketer in esports, uh, that I have that advantage and others have that advantage of having that flexibility and experience elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh to to really flesh out uh how to be a marketer in esports. Mm-hmm. You don't understand when you come to esports how little I'll call them administrative roles that are in other industries that aren't in this. Like it's just kind of like, okay, it's like line of sight tasking. It's like, okay, you can do this. Like, please can you I don't care how you get it done, just get it done by tomorrow. Especially in esports where like a meme comes up or like something like the optic news breaks or whatever it is and you have or anything, you have to be able to, like you said, flex to that. And that that goes that goes with the role. And I agree. There are some people that need more structure. So if you're listening to this and you, you need a lot of structure in your life, like it's very hard to slowly learn to operate in chaos, but maybe try to do that. Maybe, you know, give yourself tasks without a set timeline to say like, here's the end time they have to be done. And then you figure it out. I don't know how to do that. I'm a type of person where it's like, just tell me what you want done and I'll go do it. I hate when people set up parameters. So like, I feel bad for people that do need those parameters and some people need them. Um, and that's a very hard skill to cultivate, to be honest with you. It's something that just takes experience, to be honest. I think, yeah, if you lean one way or the other, trying to learn the opposite, I very think, difficult. yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's difficult, but it's also very good mm-hmm. uh, to try and adapt in those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely something handy as a, as a marketer. Yeah, exactly. And as, as we're getting to talking about things that we can't do very well, it's like, we talked about failures a little bit in the game started section, but as a marketer, as someone that's in social, what are some common failures as a whole in the industry that you see people make, whether it's professional or personal that you really want to hone in on and tell people like to avoid those things or try to fix them? Yeah. Uh, I feel like it depends on the individual and how much willingness they're uh, they have to put themselves out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because what I see with a lot of, uh, uh, folks in esports, marketer or not, is when they they lay stake or lay claim to something that people are like fans of or fanatical about. Mm-hmm. Like the likelihood of you receiving that feedback mm-hmm. is very high. Mm-hmm. Um, like for the longest time, I didn't say that like I do socials for these channels because I was like I don't want to hear it. Like I already have to look at these Twitter accounts and see your feedback in mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like as an empath, like. Sometimes I, you know, the subliners don't play well and I just have to turn off my computer. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I like y'all don't need to, you know, no, I get it. Go yeah. To that yeah. Um, but uh, so there um, I think establishing how comfortable you are with owning your work uh, and owning that body of work. And it's OK if you don't feel comfortable uh, mm-hmm. in doing that and you prefer working behind the scenes. Uh, I think as well uh, is like taking ownership of your work. At the very beginning, uh, I was very task oriented. I had mm-hmm. a task oriented mindset where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do
do this because I was told to do this mm-hmm. uh, and not uh, because I was like, this is now my thing and I'm going to own it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think really you, you expand your mind way mm-hmm. more when you're like, this is my responsibility. This is my thing. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to do it the way I want it to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's, that's a mistake I made at the beginning where I was taking on projects uh, where I was like, Oh, okay. Like tweet this thing. Got it. Or like, Okay, I put together this um, list of people uh, mm-hmm. for our consumer products. Okay, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Um, but yeah, you just open so much possibility when you don't limit yourself in that way. Don't self-censor, like own something and like don't be afraid to throw out ideas if it if it deviates from the the task a little bit. Like mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't expected. It wasn't part of the requirements of something. Mm-hmm. Um but if they, you know, if you propose something, the worst they can say is no, right? And you do, mm. you know, you check the boxes on a task and you owned it and you you put what you believe is a great product and you delivered it. So uh, mm. I would say I didn't do that at the beginning <laughs> of really owning owning my shit. Um, well, I think a lot of people in social, and Mark, not to cut you off, is that they, they, you're a behind the scenes person. Like it's just natural in both social a little bit less, but in marketing, you're a lot behind the scenes. Like people don't realize how much marketers actually do. And I've always told people like, if you, if you act like your name is literally signed on like watermarked on the front of everything you do, your whole approach to things will be completely different. I think a lot of people are very hesitant. You're hesitant or passive or just don't want to do it because they don't realize how much, like how much you actually, like you need to own that stuff. Like if every tweet you sent out on the subliners account said sign Yingsen on it, or if every marketing deck you put out, like that you helped work in the team, whatever it is, like your name is on that, whether figuratively or literally. And I think if people come with that mindset, they will be more apt to be like, okay, I really want to own this and take charge of it. Cause like, this is mine. Um, not too controlling obviously, but I think it helps out a lot. I think marketing is just, it's so behind the scenes a lot of times and people get used to that mental mindset of it's behind the scenes. So I'm just going to kind of, you know, play it safe or play it passive or whatever it is. Right. I would even argue that that's true for social, so mm-hmm. especially social and esports. Like sometimes you are the social and the designer. Sometimes mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you're social and you're the content coordinator. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, that's, that's very, I, I would say very true for social, but also, yeah, just true for marketing. Just own your own your shit's the best way you put you describe it as far yeah. as failures for the most part. That's that's the easiest thing to do um, as far as summarizing it. As we look into kind of future outlooks of esports, like where do you think it's going? And I want to hone in on this from a marketing perspective because I really want marketing and social. Is like where do you think marketing and social are going? You know, what are the trends? Maybe someone who's a junior in college right now that's looking at their first internship. Um, what are some things that people could be looking at to where maybe a year or two down the road to kind of get themselves ahead and be able to be more successful? Yeah, I would say the future for marketers and esports is bright. So bright, you're always mm-hmm. going to need a marketing team to try and sell something, mm-hmm. right? Uh, to either whether it's your brand to consumers or it's your brand to partners, mm-hmm. um, there's always going to be that need. Uh, and I am always fascinated and excited to see how other people do it because then that gets ideas in your head and people are pushing the boundaries. Uh, there's so much of esports and gaming that is lifestyle now, um, where people are just, you know, changing, changing it up, changing the way you approach esports, changing the mm-hmm. way, uh, you think about a title, the way you think of a tactical shooter, the way you think of a MOBA, the way you think of mobile gaming, um, mm-hmm. 
I think a lot of that is changing. Uh, and uh, it's it's something you should pay attention to because mm. you could be the next person to to come up with an idea, innovate on an idea that then becomes the mainstream. And that's a lot of what we're seeing. Like a lot of esports companies are adapting to an apparel, a lifestyle, a mm-hmm. content creation standpoint versus just having a centralized team. Like mm-hmm. there's the importance of having cross-platform, cross-channel growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that only came about because, you know, marketers and content creators um, pushed. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, yeah, pushed what esports uh, and gaming looks like for folks. So, mm-hmm. and, I, and I love that point because it, it's something I've, I've talked to a couple of people behind the scenes about is like, like you think about esports, like I think when esports first could because it's blown up so fast, the thought and the concepts that it needs to keep up can't keep up because it's budding up so fast. Like you, some things just go thrown to the wayside. And you think about esports, like I think a lot of people, a lot of marketers, a lot of business people see it as like this, its own entity when really esports is just like a little piece of a pie of gaming. And then mm-hmm. you think about like, what is gaming? Well, gaming is a little piece of a pie of lifestyle. And then like, so it just buds up and up. And so you can think of like, okay, what is esports align with technically from a mindset perspective? It aligns with gaming, it aligns with escaping from, you know, stuff that's going on in your life it aligns with all these different things and now how do we connect those other lines of you know emotion to what esports is and i think people i agree with you in the last i'd say year or two people are really starting to get that with a lot of different brands of like okay you know sports and lifestyle and clothing and fashion all kind of go in with esports you think it doesn't but it does um and now how do we connect those things yeah i think uh just think about you as a person Mm -hmm. who are not all esports all the time. Or yeah, you exactly. Be, you know, no, no, <laughs> there are no a lot. Way. Of, um, but yeah, you are so many different facets of a bunch of different things, and I think that's one thing that marketers are are doing mm-hmm. is taking those other bits uh, of of the majority of people and their interests and transforming that into something new, a concept that people will grasp, uh, uh, a new way of looking at mm-hmm. at gaming titles and esports as a whole. And that, that's, a, that's the fun thing about being a marketer is like there's yeah. it sounds really cliche there's no limits, but it really isn't because you can think about things so conceptually and just flip the script on so many different things. Like you could literally do something opposite the way it's been done the last 10 years and it'll work because that's just that's how our we're, marketing evolves with our how our culture evolves. So it's really fun. Um, but as we get into the last portion of this podcast, and this is always tell people dealer's choice. So this is totally Yangson's prompt. She can talk about esports. She can talk about, she can rant about something else that has nothing to do with gaming. It's totally fine. Um, but Yangson, this is the floor is yours to speak about whatever you want to speak about. Um, it's some motivational testimony, whatever it is. Disclaimer, I don't know what she's going to talk about. So whatever you got, whatever you want to go about, the floor is yours. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's a thank you, by the way, for, for allowing me to, you know, go off. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think it, it goes to what we were just talking about of, of you being uh, multifaceted as a person uh, and esports being just only one part of you. Um, one thing that I've seen uh, currently uh, and, you know, very often in gaming and esports is um, sometimes we forget about our mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even as a professional, like professional, you know, casual, whatever, like your mental health is so important. Um, and it's often something not talked about in esports. Mm-mm. I feel, uh, it's very stigmatized. Uh, uh, and you know, I hope through my work that I can break that stigma 
uh, and it's okay to to have hangups and it's okay to work on yourself. Um, that is completely normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there there should be a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, everybody has their days. Everybody is going through something. You can always reach out to someone. Like there's nothing wrong with asking for help, mm-hmm. whether it be in your work or in your personal life. I think that is super huge. Um, and yeah, don't be afraid to speak up if something is is bothering you or if you feel alone or just need need help getting to the the next place in your life you know mm-hmm. and, uh yeah. yeah and don't be afraid i always tell people like the common conception which is a proper one is like always reach out to me always talk to me if i if you see somebody that you feel like is hurting or in need like talk to them but mm-hmm. at the same time like even if you don't know the person like reach out to somebody else like there's there's other it, the conversation needs to be started more. I draw a lot of parallels to esports with the military because the military is very internal when it comes to dealing with problems and dealing with things. And esports, because of the nature of us being online and being in front of a setup and not being around social as much as you think you are, it also breeds internal um, thoughts and internal feelings. So it's something that's different for every person. But I, it goes back to what you said is like, at the very least, the conversation needs to be started at all times. That's step one. There needs to be a conversation about it. Not everybody's a psychologist. Not everybody knows the exact answer on how to help people. And that's, we'll leave that to people who have been educated in that. But at the same time, like just whether you're an organization, a company, an individual or creator, like having that conversation is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, Yankson, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, We hit right where we wanted to hit and it's perfect. Um, But I appreciate you taking the time to come on and hopefully give people kind of a multifaceted insight at, at what you do, you know, working for three very huge brands. I know you say you have a small team, but as far as influence, very huge brands with two franchise leagues, like the amount of work you do, I can't even imagine. Um, but I appreciate you so much for taking the time and just giving your insights and hopefully somebody will get something out of this and be able to, you know, hope further their esports career. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me on. This is a bunch of fun. Yeah, before we get going, though, I would be remiss. Do you have anything you want to plug um, for anybody listening on YouTube? All our links will be below. But if there's anything specific you want to plug um, to the people out there before we head on out. Uh, you should follow and box subliners and NYXL on Twitter. Uh, you mm-hmm. can also follow me on Twitter at Yangson LLV. Uh, sometimes I'll tweet things, mostly about esports. Uh, uh, and also just be kind to one another. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Yankson. For like I said, again, anybody on YouTube, all the links she listed will be below. If you're on Spotify, I always put their Twitter description in the description of the podcast. So please look at that and follow Yankson. Um, great individual and awesome to talk to. But thank you so much, Yankson, for joining us today. And for anyone watching, thank you so much for watching the PV podcast. Thanks.